This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello one and all and welcome to Behind the Glass. I'm your host, Sam, from the YouTube channel Seen Through Glass. And I'm Tony from Gravelwood Car Sales. Yes, you are. Uh, each week we get together, we talk about cars, motorsport, F1... Car, what else? Cars? Cars? We cars, cars, cars. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you can listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. You can watch us on youtube.com forward slash behind the glass. Don't forget to subscribe and turn on notifications. And Tony, if people want to support this podcast, what should they do? Watch it. No. <laughs> but also head to Patreon. You can support us on patreon.com forward slash behind the glass. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed the episode. I had forgotten how cold this place gets during the... I mean, we're not even in the winter yet. I was going to do winter with inverted commas with my fingers, but it's getting chilly again, isn't it? <laughs> well, it's not too Oh, bad no, it is. Today. It is because you're wearing a gilet. I've got three layers on. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly... I have not prepared. And, Are you cold? Oh, yeah, I'm already cold. <laughs> it's just this November. We've got so long to go. Anyway, well, yeah, if you're new to the podcast, if season five is the first season you've tuned into and you haven't seen previous episodes from STGHQ, you won't know that, yeah, during the winter it becomes Arctic in here. And uh, usually we can see our own breath as we talk and record. <laughs> we usually sort of... The, the layers increase as, as the months go on and oh it's all a bit depressing but anyway we're here freezing to uh, bring you the latest car news and car chat from the world um a few things to get through first bit of housekeeping we've got some new patrons have we <gasps> love our patrons Thank you. yeah so uh shout out to i'm gonna say prit ver i don't know if i'm pronouncing that right uh, oh, prit, i don't know where you you're from said that. <laughs> I mean, I'd have got that really wrong. <laughs> it's why I read them out, because there are some names that I'm like, I don't want Tony having a go with that. Kenny Blair, that's an easy name for you. Uh, Howard Dawson, Clive James Austin, and Miles Cloninger. Well, Cloninger. Well done, boy. Yeah, so we love our patrons. Thank you so much for those of you that have joined up. And off the back of an episode a few weeks ago, which was a very popular episode, so huge thanks to all of you that have sent messages and DMs for the YouTube special episode. Oh, I've got loads and loads as well. Really great. DMs. People loved your hosting, by the way. I kind of feel like I should sit back more often and let you just <laughs> run the like, How nice. Yeah, great. Tony can step up to the plate a few more times. But I, I will bravo you as well. Because yeah, you. You, you really, you know, you came into your own little Parkinson, very kind. Parkinson over there. Um, but we set ourselves this goal of 50k by the end of the year. Oh, oh, I mean, we have got some... I'll uh, uh, check, mate. We have got some more. Oh, my God. We're, we're, flying. We're like 45, 700 or something like that. Are we? Yeah. So we got we gained like 700 subscribers off that one episode. So yeah. huge thanks to all of you. If you're new 
subscriber. Welcome. We love you as much as we love our patrons. Uh, if you haven't subscribed yet, if you're like, ah, oh, I'll do it at some point, do it now. Please. Do it now because we've set ourselves this goal and we've announced that we're going to do something crazy and wacky and we actually kind of think we've figured out what that's going to be. It only if we hit 50k by December 31st. Oh, right. December, that's the definitive day, is it? Yeah, end of the year. Right. So that's our goal. Okay. Um, now, a couple of things I wanted to discuss with you, and I don't know where to start. Let's kick things off with a video that went live on my channel yesterday, which you won't have seen yet, because I'm fully aware you don't watch my content. <laughs> Thanks for the support, Tony. <laughs> but it is worth discussing further. I did 500 miles in a Nissan Leaf. Oh, right. So I know a little bit about yeah. this, because... You were flapping at me while you were doing it. but Well, I was flapping a lot beforehand. You were. And I was flapping during, but, but, okay, so let's, let's explain this a little bit more to set up the scene. How'd you get on? Well, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give a bit more pretense before I get into it. Oh. <laughs> um, so this is part of Shell. In, in that big YouTube episode, I talk, told about the fact, I talked about the fact that Shell and one of my longest partners do some awesome content together. When did uh, you get them on here? Yeah, I don't know which, I don't know who from Shell. So I, I recently did some stuff at the Hamburg Motorsports Centre where they develop all the stuff for Ferrari. Oh, yeah. and, so I, and they were fascinating and they were talking a lot about future fuel, fuels and synthetic. And I, that, that, I think maybe they would be the most interesting. But the piece I was doing for the main channel, the last couple of videos, had been focusing on how Shell embraces the world of EVs. Because as a fuels company, they can't really just sit back and just ignore EV and be, like, be like, oh no, we'll, we'll figure something else out. So they're having to sort of, you know, embrace it. And Where's the HQ? Uh, well, the Motorsport HQ is in Hamburg. I don't know where the Shell Shell HQ well, we is. We can go there and get someone there, go to their office. That would be cool. Some, we could just do that. We'll and get one of the Ferrari fuel scientists on. That's what we need, mate, because, you know, we can go in and really go in about this new synergy fuel that we Synthetic. Think, synthetic. So, so yeah, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think that's a, a rival brand from another... <laughs> anyway, sorry. <laughs> Definitely not synergy. <laughs> sorry, Sean. So, yeah, synthetic fuel that, <laughs> that we, we think is going to be rolled out on, you know, it's going to in F1 and then be rolled out into performance cars, we think. I was there, as I say, to, to talk about sort of, you know, V-Power and the stuff that goes into the Ferrari's car and stuff like that. And literally, every time the camera turned off, I turned to the lovely woman who runs the shop there and I was just like, so tell me about synthetic fuels. <laughs> she was like, should we be having this conversation? Uh, anyway, yes, please. Yes, please. <laughs> so yeah, so, so you know, Shell trying to also, you know, embrace the world of EV and, and figure out how, what, what that means for them. And they're rolling out all these recharge points at various stations, things like that. So, so this was kind of me slightly opening myself up to the world of EVs, letting uh, Shell sort of try and introduce what they're doing. And also, I guess, as a campaign, show that off to the audience. Yeah. Um, now they're fairly relaxed and fairly chilled and want it to be a fairly authentic experience. Like people know that actually, I really like a lot of EVs today. I think I think a lot of the electric vehicles are becoming quite incredible. You know, everything mm. from an Audi e-tron to the Nissan Leaf that I was using for this campaign. It was um, unbelievable. I think 35 grand, every bit of tech, equipment and kit that you could ever want it was the extended range version now this is a city car this is this is supposed to be something to use for your shorter commutes and in and around the city so it's not really a long distance ev but that was again the whole point like can i do this um i was slightly hand tied because obviously i was using shell recharge points only there are tons of other recharge points i could go to and we'll come back to that later but at least for the campaign and specifically we were trying to highlight how shell are increasing their number of recharge points yeah available blah 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 they've got to they've got to exactly so it's like with a lot of these things they are still sort of at the start or the early part of their journey um so like everyone else yeah there's tons yeah. of points still to come so the let's think about the so 
all in all, uh, all in all, actually a surprisingly good experience. I would say much better on the way up to, I went up to Amari because we were having a meeting about a Ferrari actually. <laughs> but anyway, more on that later. Uh, and then come back down. So it's just like, you know, I've done that trip so many times, just gone up to Amari and come back down. So on the way up, I was pooping myself. I was like, oh, this is going to be hell. How am I going to manage the battery levels? And I've got to drive so slowly. And when am I going to run out? I'm going to have to pull over for four hours. It's a bit nightmare. What do, what do Nissan say the Leaf does range? 230 miles. I got in the car here at STGHQ. 100% battery. Nice, cold, crisp morning. 200. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, cold or... I'm still confused by... So, if it's... Cu- apparently, I know people that have got electric cars, if it's cold, they do less. Oh, right. Okay, well, so I turned on, it said 230 miles. Right. But, but, <laughs> driving out through town, that depleted, oh my God, so quickly. As soon as you got on the motorway or did you have heaters on? Or? I had everything on because yeah, I, I yeah, wanted yeah. to go, you know, it's early that's morning, I got a long drive, yeah. you know, I wanted to have a uh, yeah, heated seat on at one point, I had the music blasting, you know, I was, I was just and, using... And like so you should. Car. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And so I think I'd, I think Shell had provided like a load of their sort of recharge network and said, here are some good points and here's some accessible stuff. So I was using that to sort of plan my journey and I, and I thought, right, conservative, let's go 180 miles. If the range is 230, let's, let's recharge in 180 miles. I'll just crack on and get out of town. By the time I was out of London, that was already not going to be possible because my range was down to 185 or something like that. And, and you was in London and as I was, well. So, so I, it burnt up through London quickly. Yeah. So definitely anxiety at that point. The minute I hit the motorway, loving life. Oh, right. Yeah, I was just cruising along, totally fine. I didn't, I wasn't driving aggressively slowly. I had my music on. Yes, the range is coming down and that does give you a bit of anxiety because it's, you know, once it's gone, it's gone. So you do have to think ahead. Mm. So I realised, like, I'm not going to make that initial point. So I pulled over, shall I have a good recharge app? So I was on there and I found another point that's, that was 30 miles close or something like that. Pulled in, literally, first time doing it, rocked up, charged straight away, bish, bash, bosh. How long did you wait? So on that occasion, I think in total, 45 minutes. Right. To back to 100% or 80? Uh, 93%. Right. So from 24-ish to 93%. Because they, they normally EVs, like your mobile phone, they'll, they'll charge quickly to 80 or 90%, then that last 10 or 15% is really slow because you have to protect the battery. Exactly. So, so at this point, I'm like, okay, yeah. I, I was fully prepared to have to wait. Okay, yeah. like, of course, when you do that as a direct comparison against an internal combustion engine car, that's an incredibly long amount of time, as we've discussed. Yeah. But I was going at this from a, okay, I'm seeing what it would be like to yeah. do a long distance EV road trip in a car that's not really designed to do it. I'm going to have to sit around. But, but by the time I'd gone into the shop, you know, bought a drink and a snack, done a little bit of editing of the footage on the way there. I was like, oh, I was going to check and see how I'm getting on. I was like, oh, wow, breezy. Okay. Right, so I've got a couple of questions for you. Go what um, what was the miles at 93% when you got back in? The range. The range, yeah. Oh, God. See, I filmed all this about a month and a half ago. Um, probably 180 odd, 170, 180 odd miles. Fair. And what did you pay? Okay, so uh, let me just bring up the exact number. I think it's 47p per kilowatt. Show. It's a blanket charge. So across, right, right, right across the board. Yeah, across right. the board. So any show, any shell recharge um, station is always, doesn't matter uh, what you're plugging in. It's the same. Uh, no, it's a recharge cost per... Uh, Let's see, because yeah, yeah, forty-one p per kilowatt hour. Okay, so I think, and I should have watched my video back before we start talking about this. I think I spent was it thirty-five quid the whole day. I think I spent around thirty. I think the first one must have been 
18 or 19. Like, yeah, I, I think I spent like 35 or 40 quid across the whole day. That's oh, there and back. back. There right, and okay, back. how many charges? Two and a half. We'll come back to the half in a second. Right, so 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 one up and one back. Did you charge at Amari? Uh, no, so okay, well, let's keep going because the money thing is we've got to talk about at the yeah, end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, so far, so good in the grand scheme of an EV trip. Yeah. So up I go, get to Amari. As I'm leaving Amari, I think, okay, I, I'm going to have to charge again. I can't make it home. I think I had a maybe 80 mile range and 40 odd percent battery leaving Amari. It's 45 percent battery. So I think, okay, well, I've got to find a spot. I'm looking at my thing again. I find a spot. I'm like, okay, cool. Let's head there. We probably better tell the audience, by the way, is how many miles is it from here to Amari? Oh, 200 and... Well, it's 500 miles direct, so it's 234 miles from, from here to Amari and then 234 miles back. back. Right, yeah. okay. Um, so this is where I started to get a little bit more... Well, not frustrated. Okay, so on the way... I, I pull in at the next recharge point mm. off the motorway, easy peasy, service station, and there's one recharge point and somebody's in it. So I'm like, hmm, this is interesting. Did you have some left? Uh, no, no. So this, I'd gone aggressive at this point. Right. I think I was down to, it was, it was too aggressive to go anywhere. I think okay. I had 18 or 22 mile range right, okay, like that. And, and you know, low percentage. You've got to wait. So, so I pull in, I think, I think, you know, this is part of the experience, right? Yeah. And yeah. also like, what's the etiquette? Do I like go and knock on this window and be like, how long you got left, mate? Or do I go and look at the screen and see how, so I didn't really know, but I was like, this, I, this is really interesting to well, film. Well, you haven't really so, got a choice at 18 miles, mate. I mean, there's no point well, knocking on his door or anything. You've just got to wait. But this is the whole thing, right? So, so I, I'm there and it gets to about 15 minutes of waiting and I'm thinking maybe I should see if I can find somewhere else. And of course, for the content, I'm looking for other shell recharge points. I, I'm sure I could have jumped on and, and found another recharge point locally, but for the content, I'm trying to help promote shell and their network. The next point was either to go back up north, so 45 minutes back upwards, or- With the, 18 miles of range. Yeah, or the point south was too far. So I, I was stuck, I had to wait. Yeah. So fine, uh, you know, I say, because I was looking specifically for shell points. Um, so I wait, and the guy pulls out after maybe 20 minutes in total. Right. So not awful, a little what, bit annoying, but not awful. Uh, Mercedes EQS. It, it, Actually, it was a woman, so sorry. EQS. EQS, I think. Or, or C. You tell me. <laughs> well, I don't, or they do both. Yeah, I think that's <laughs> I don't know. It's a Mercedes. Okay. I like them, by the way. I pull straight in, plug in, and as I plug in, a very lovely man in a ID4 something like that pulls in behind me. And he goes, oh, you just plugged in. I went, yeah. He goes, okay, I'll wait. And I was like, oh, sucks for you, mate, because <laughs> I literally just plugged in, so you're going to be here a while. And I'm low. But also, that gives me a little bit of anxiety. I was a little bit like, oh, God, now he's waiting over my shoulder. So I went in, I got magazine this time. I was sort of a bit more like, but, but at the same time, I was a bit like, okay, I do kind of want to get home now. So on the way up, it was all part of the fun and the adventure. This time, because I'd waited 20 minutes, and then I was, I was like, okay, fine. But, you know, but still, I was going with it. I wasn't How long did you wait? So this was the killer one. So this was a slower charging point after 75 minutes. Oh no. I was up to 84%. Oh no. Yeah. So at this point, what I was doing throughout that 75 minutes, because the guy was waiting, I kept getting out being like, oh, just go, just going to check. Oh no, still not. Like, you know, I did all the acting. Like, <laughs> give it all the old Oh, don't, tapping my watch. Oh, sorry. Like, you know, like trying to show that I was making some kind of effort to speed it up. Obviously there's nothing I could do. And I wasn't going to go anywhere. Like Rick Mao out of bottom. Yeah. But it, at, at that point I was like, okay, 84%. I feel like I've waited long enough. I can put, I'll get cracking. I'm sure I'll be fine. 
that was my mistake. And this is the, it's a learning process, right? This is a learning process. But at that point I was like, I want to get cracking. Oh. So off I go. And as I get to around the Beaconsfield services, so around the M25, yeah. I don't know, I'm probably what, 35 minutes outside London at that point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I start to go, yeah, I'm not going to make it. I start to think I'm going to need to charge again. Oh. So at this point, I just literally find the nearest charger. It's probably one in Beaconsfield, right? A Shell well, one? Is I pull into Beaconsfield. Uh, yeah, no, Beaconsfield Shell doesn't have one. They've got an independent charging point in the services. The actual Shell doesn't. I think that one's got a hydrogen at that Shell. Maybe that's a different... Anyway. Um, so anyway, pull in and they're all taken at the services. So I'm like, oh, bloody hell. So then I find another charging point. I have to drive down the road. And I find a charging point and I plug in. And it's quick and it works and it's great. It's fine. I'm there for, I don't know, another 15 minutes maybe? Watching something on YouTube or something like that. And they go, right, okay. Off we go, ready to rock and roll home. So to be fair, the actual charging process, very easy. The time, not so. And I roll into the studio with something aggressive, five or 6% left on the battery. And probably, I reckon two, two and a half hours later than I would have in a combustion engine car. Well, easily, because you're 75 minutes and 45 minutes and 15 minutes, nearly three hours. Okay, well, yeah. Well, it's three hours. On the video, I said two and a half, so maybe I've got my numbers wrong now, yeah, yeah. but whatever it is. It was about two and a half hours later than, than I would have in. Because, uh, you know, I would have stopped for fuel and. Anyway, boy. So I left that evening going, okay, things that I've learned. EVs are getting better and better and better. That was a city based EV with a sort of range extender, which handled the journey like a breeze. I was in comfort, it was easy, it was relatively affordable. The car was fantastic. The recharge network or points, super easy to use. I could always find a shell recharge point, connecting the connector, super easy. Paying was the easy, because remember I had that each one like a year and a half ago. I could never, I had to have membership cards and that was a killer. So the fact I could literally just turn up, tap my credit card and off I go, it's charging. Brilliant. The killers, which I think we can't look past yet and are still the obvious frustrations, the length of time, even though I was prepared for it and I went into that day knowing it was going to take a, a minimum a couple of hours longer, it's still hard to adjust to as a combustion engine driver. Mm-hmm. And for me, the cost, I think Shell are one of the most aggressively priced charging points in the UK. I think they're very competitively priced, but it's still not a massive saving. So I text you a few days later saying, how much do you think it would have cost to do that trip in a Golf GTD? And you reckon a full tank would be about 70 quid and it probably would have used three quarters of a tank to do that journey? Yeah, it would, it, would, it, it would have been a little bit more than 35 quid, but I would have thought it'd probably been 40 quid. For, okay, fine, yeah. I bet yeah. you'd have done 40 quid in fuel in, a, in, a, in an equivalent, say, Golf GTD. Sure. So the money, this, there's not really necessarily a saving there in no. terms of money, I don't think, unless you're looking at, like, me, as Chris and I, the X3 M40i, I probably would have needed two tanks of fuel and that yeah. is 80 quid. And so, you know, over a... But that's not what a Leaf competes with. Is yeah, it's it? not a so, city car, yeah. It, you know, it's a city car and it's an entry level city car, yeah. not a big, you know, X3 and 40 So thing, the thing is, as well, mate, is that in general, a normal city car, I know we're, we're diversifying in terms of it's a city car, but a normal city car would quite happily go at Preston on back on similar fuel and you wouldn't have to stop. So I don't really, I, I know that they're saying they're for the cities, but. They need to be not for the cities as well because a normal combustion engine city car will do both. Yes, and I suppose it's all an interesting way of doing it because, yes, you're right. You, you know, you need to have a car that can basically do everything. And I think I proved 
I feel like I proved that the Leaf could do everything. It, it, the, the car was definitely not the frustration for me. The car, absolutely fine. The charging time, and that car doesn't have, a, it, it doesn't do the 100 kilowatts. So I think the maximum, I don't know what the maximum charge is, 50 kilowatts. So again, if I was in a Taycan or a Tesla, it would have been much quicker, the whole process. Yeah. You're um, on a 35 grand city car though, are you? You're in a 150 grand sports car. Sure. So charging so, capability. Yeah. And yeah, the length of time, mm-hmm. you know, that, that it takes. Th- those two things, whilst I can... Whilst I can see that the network has improved, because over the 12 or 18 months since I had that e-tron experience that really stressed me out so much, I can already see that there's a massive step forward in infrastructure. And actually, do you know what? On that particular day that you said, you've had a bit of luck, mate, because if you're that ID4, like you said, you're waiting another yeah. 75 minutes. And I had the help where Shell were holding my hand through the whole thing. So of they sent me a lot of notes, they sent me a lot of tips, yeah. go, go here, do that, and blah, yeah. blah, blah. So it was kind of like one of those weird experiences where I walked away from it going... Actually, in the grand scheme of things, that really wasn't that bad. Mm-hmm. Would I jump across and do it now? No, I, I still don't feel ready to, to do that. But it definitely quashed a lot of my concerns and fears, I think. Yeah. And more and more, as I look at London, I'm like, would I prefer to have an electric Fiat right now? Would I like to have a little electric Mini just for pottering around to and well, from? Well, it made no difference. I don't think it'd make any difference. No. It's just those longer journeys. And... And as all of these providers increase their network and their infrastructure, it will infinitely get better. So I'm still on the fence. I know you're still negative. I'm still on the fence. But it, it swayed me slightly more to the, okay, this could work in the future. I still don't think it's the, the final answer. Well, it's, get, it's getting better. It's, it's definitely getting better, as you've just experienced, for sure. But for me, I'm, I'm not in... Because unlike a combustion engine car, it works for everyone mm-hmm. in every single scenario. Once electric or EV cars get to that point, I'm in. Sure, you know, I don't, I, I don't, I don't see it being a problem because it's still a car. Okay, you take the emotion out of it. There's not going to be any noise and whatnot. But these modern cars are a lot quieter than they used to be anyway. And I am a petrol head, but actually, for every day, I'm driving a BMW X5 at the moment. If that car done. 500 miles of range like it does on diesel I'd be quite happy bombing around in an electric car and if I can charge it in five minutes like I can fill it up in five minutes no problem but you can't so therefore it doesn't work for it works for a lot of people but it doesn't work for everyone so therefore it's not as good yeah and and so for me if we're going to do one thing on this podcast now if we're going to do I don't know put pressure in any area get spokespeople on it is purely infrastructure focused for an EV side of things because I actually think electric vehicles now are increasingly very good. Well, they are getting better for sure. There is there is something that you obviously sent me the other day as well about the climate on and how EVs are built. I think that's the direction I think we, we should focus on a bit more now. Not the fact that we should focus on infrastructure and actually, are they actually saving the planet? All things considered, are they actually saving the planet? Because if they're not actually saving the planet and they're not as good as a combustion engine car, what's the point? Yeah, it was, I think it was a Bloomberg article, I think, which basically talked about the the environmental impact of creating an electric vehicle it is actually starting to become a little bit uh, 
carbon ineffective <laughs> as in i think they use a lot of aluminium to try and you know keep the cars light and and you know the aluminium resource of the creation of all these things is having a negative effect on carbon emissions yeah something that i guess we've known about for a while there's obviously this big sort of push and agenda and by the way this was not supposed to be an ev special this episode we're going to move on relatively quickly but i just wanted to address all this um yes all of that still needs to be assessed you know and i think i still feel it's definitely not the solution it feels like it could be part of the solution in the city it's I'm definitely s- that i still think inner city driving evs only sure and then we're going to get to a point with hybrids where you can just switch on your hybrid mode to get into the you know congestion zone or whatever it might be it's like, anyway so I, I see that um but i think fundamentally I'm thankful that Shell allowed me to do the piece and were fairly relaxed about how I presented it. Of course, some people picked up and said, oh, you know, it's a bit of a sales ad, but of course there's going to be a sales element to it because they're funding the content. I mean, it's the the whole partnership. (laughs) But they were, as ever, always fairly relaxed and open and and wanted me to sort of have an honest truth and opinion. And and that was my walkaways, that if they can do what they're saying they're going to do, add their 150,000 charging points over the next X number of years, then great. That's what we need to make EVs work. In the meantime, let's hope and see how synthetic fuels are de- uh, keep being developed, hydrogen, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and, and, you know, there's, there's, there's stuff going on. Hi- hydrogen's coming, mate, as in... For sure. Uh, f- uh, you know, More that, noise about it than ever. Loads and loads of noise. And, and uh, as we've said in, in the past, we really do think that, that heavy, good vehicles, planes, boats that's how they're going to be powered eventually because they cannot be electric that's just For sure. you know that that that's we can't get away from that and and going back quickly i know you want to come off the topic but going back very quickly on evs being carbon neutral at the minute or whatever they are they don't make any compared to petrol cars as in you know as a percentage there's 130 million petrol combustion engine cars there's 250,000 electric cars as they ramp production up the the the, the carbon neutral is going to go through the roof obviously yeah so it's a, it's a swing or a swear isn't it what was of the course what was that stat i sent you which said that i think it's a quarter of all carbon emissions in the world or less than a quarter come from transport which includes planes boats everything mm. and of that 11 percent is passenger vehicles I yeah think. so 11 percent of the quarter um so you know it, it's still a lot of other things that need to be looked at we're now wading into climate climate change yeah. and politics so we'll steer away but anyway when you're ready to pop the question the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring at blue you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Thank you for those of you that have watched the Shell episodes. Thank you for those who found it interesting. I just wanted to talk through it in a bit more detail. Let's shift uh, shift lanes quite aggressively. Talk Back about to the V8. F- talk about the F1. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, still hybrids. Talk about the F1 quickly because there's no after the checkered flag this episode, uh, this week. So I pull like combining and a boring story. So long story short, has Max just won the championship? I mean, I'm no expert like you two, but first I don't of all, think we're experts. Uh, uh, well, uh, keynotes, ke- very keynotes, yeah. yeah. And you do know your stuff, the pair of you. Um, uh, first of all. Everyone was jumping on about how he got how he got to turn one and how he outbraked him. One, I think, because he was on the racing line. Yeah, he did break a bit later, but he kind of at, he, he could break a bit later because of where he was on the track. The Mercedes cars couldn't break that late because the 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 corner tightens up when you're on the inside. It's just physics. You can't do anything about that. But <laughs> it pains me to say. I mean, he's that, that Red Bull over the last few races has just really come on, and I think Mercedes might have lost their way a bit and. Uh, you know, ultimately, the driver, there's not many drivers that could have done that down to turn one. Max is an outstanding driver, by the way, and and so is Lewis. They're the two outstanding drivers, and we can see that because Perez is in the same car. He finishes 20-odd seconds behind Max, and he couldn't get past Lewis. So they're the two outstanding drivers for sure. And if and if either one of them have got the best car, they're going to win the race. It's, you know, we, we can't get away from that. If, if it's anyone else, we, we've seen Bottas, Perez, Ocon, they can't keep up with them two. What about the race before where they, them two just drove off? Yep. So, uh, listen, I think Lewis, this is slightly annoying me because I have actually got a bet on I know Lewis you do. winning the <laughs> You're screwed, mate. Not with me, by the way, people. Yeah. Uh, I think Lewis now has got to win all four races or something terrible has got to happen for, to Max not to win. As the biggest Lewis, fa- Lewis fan, I actually think if Max now got a DNF or got taken out of the race by someone not Lewis, I don't think it would feel like a wholeheartedly justified championship victory. I, I, I agree, Lewis has to win all four races. Yeah. Has to. Yeah. And, but, 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 but within that... I do feel like we're getting to this point where Max does feel like he has earned that championship. But not if Lewis won all next four races, mate, because he's he's done well then. But if it's a DNF, like you said... That's what I mean. If if Lewis wins next four and Max comes second and and that ends up with Lewis, great, done, happy days. But if there's a dodgy DNF from an engine failure, Bottas taking out Max, anyone taking out Max, and that sways the championship, I, I, I think it would feel a bit like Max has lost that rather than Lewis has won it. Because, you know, at this point now in the season, he's becoming so dominant, Max, and is so in his stride. And, and I slightly disagree. I mean, I the point about turn one at Mexico, yes, he's sat around and he's on the racing line and he could afford to do all of that. But the confidence and mm. the balls to do it, because 
you've got so many cars streaming up your inside. If one of those guys misses their braking point or snap or locks a wheel, they're plowing into the side of you. They are completely plowing into the side of you. So to have the thought at that moment of, I'm just going to send it mm. and just have that confidence and just fly around the outside. It is a, it is that sort of mentality of, I'm just, this is what I'm doing. I'm going, yeah. But, but, don't, but don't forget, mate, as well, is that he is outstanding. Like I said, with Lewis, they are, but I mean, quite a lot of the pundits, even the racing drivers, they say they're the greatest two drivers ever. Mm, to, mm, you know, mm. and Max is going to do what, what Lewis has done mm. and he's going to dominate the sport. And, and like I said to you last week, if it's not for Lewis this year, there's Ma- no, yeah, there's no there, fight. There's, there, there's no championship. Yeah, yeah. L- um, Max just drives off. Yeah, Max would have walked away with it. You know, you're, you're right in that sense. And all I hope is, because Lewis, I think, has come out and said, and we've known for a while, that Mercedes haven't really developed that car since Silverstone. So there's mm. been no upgrades because, like all teams, they're changing their focus to next year with these huge rule changes. I hope for Max's sake, for the sport's sake, Red Bull haven't gone too Hail Mary on this year and then are going to end up with a, a weak car next year because you do get the sense that they've seen this opportunity. They've been the, the challenger, the contender for a few years now, knocking on the door and they're thinking, right, this is our chance. We, we have to win this championship now because we, we don't want to risk 2022 onwards. We don't want to yeah. give this in and go, oh, we'll just get the next year because there's huge rule change. Who knows who's going to come out on top? You know, Alpine might have just gained two and a half seconds over everyone. Yeah. So might as well go all in now. Ferrari could be back. McLaren. I, I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, hey, look, let's see what happens. Four races to go. It's been an undeniably amazing season, but it does it does feel like Max is now on his way to securing that but championship. But it, it also does emphasise, by the way, how good Lewis actually is, because all year he's been in the worst car. He's nearly 37. He's still at the top, and he's only 20 points away from... Normally, when Lewis is in the best car... He, he wins the championship by 150 points. I mean, he just drives off. <laughs> so the fact that he's still hanging in and, and it's undoubtedly, you can't deny that that Red Bull isn't, isn't the best car. I mean, it won by nearly 20 oh, seconds. Oh, yes, it was a joke. It was yeah, a joke. Yeah. But so, I think more of a joke, and the, we always like to trigger the, the Max fans here and the Lewis haters, but... Lewis's defence of P2 because with what 15 laps to go 20 laps to go it was down to 2 seconds with Perez and you were like oh that, that's it that's done that's not happening H- how he held on to that I'm not quite past. sure yeah that was, that yeah, was brilliant uh, anyway let's move on because we've got some car news to discuss. Unbelievable. Things have been happening. <laughs> Things have been happening. Who knew? This episode has not gone at all the way that I expected it to but life is life. Uh, Did you know Aston Martin have delivered a Valkyrie actually I don't know if they've delivered it but the first customer car has rolled off the production line. Oh, that doesn't mean it's been delivered. No, it doesn't. But but we never thought this day was coming to. Well, f- first of all, apart from the amount of stick that I actually give Aston Martin, well done for oh, actually getting it off the line. And actually, let's hope, let's hope that the customer who's having the car actually enjoys it and it's not going to be a, a another Aston Martin, basically. <laughs> What does that mean? Well, it's actually going to work and the bloke's going to enjoy it. He's paid two million quid for it, by the oh, way. Yeah, yeah. And he paid... And waited five years ago. He waited five years and he probably paid half of that five years ago. Yeah. So let, let's really hope that the wait, it, it's been well worth the wait. 
I I hope so too. I think the thing looks mega. I've yeah. always been excited about the Valkyrie, but we have joked about just how long it's taken and whether it would actually ever finally, you know, roll off the production mm-hmm. line. Theoretically, the first customer car has and production is now fully up and running. It kind of came out of nowhere because obviously there's been a huge amount of testing and development and, and we've seen all these kind of spy shots and, and YouTube videos and Goodwood and all this stuff like that. And then suddenly it's just like, oh yeah, here it is. Yeah. And, you know, we haven't really seen any kind of press not that i guess they need press for that car or sold well, well sold so why would you but yeah it was a surprise i think to a lot of people that suddenly this announcement came out and and i'm so with you let's hope we see them on the road on the track being used because what a thing oh that they've god. actually gone out imagine and made. seeing one around the track oh my coming you, come you back in partial oh my god but here's my question and we'll find this out i guess soon enough we often talk about you know very rich people or anyone who really wants to go hard on track Road cars can only, can only get you to a certain level. Of course. doesn't matter, even if you're in a Senna, at some point, you need to be in a race car. You Correct. need slicks and wings Correct. and you need lightweight, all these different elements. And a friend of mine who had a Senna, after a while was like, I'm now pushing it so hard, I'm limited by the tires. Yeah. Like I'm limited by the, you know, I need to be by in the a setup of the car. 650 SGT3 because yeah, yeah, I'll yeah. be so much quicker. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, the Valkyrie is still a road car. Mm. And I know they've got the AMR version, but... Is it going to get to a point where these very rich people are going to love it and enjoy it for what it is, but go, I'd rather be in Just my race car. Vantage GT3 or whatever yeah, it is. Yeah. It, uh, it will actually be interesting to see, and I'm sure it's going to happen, it, it, someone takes one to Silverstone and actually bats around Silverstone flat out and see how quick it actually is. As in, is it really as fast as a GT3 car? Because we know for, for a fact it'll be faster in a straight line, but... Like you said, you know, road car has got to be made for everyone. It's going to be limited somewhere. It's going to be, it has yeah. to be limited. It can't be a race car because you couldn't drive it on the road. So, you know, there, there, there is going to be that point where it's going to hit a brick wall, essentially. I would not literally. So. <laughs> <laughs> not. Oh, God. Uh, okay, so moving on, fresh off the back of our SUV special, uh, we're expecting to see the 2022 BMW X8M at the end of this month, uh, 750 horsepower SUV with a hybrid version of the thumping V8. X8? Yeah, so this is an X7 Plus, basically. Oh, right. So, okay. yeah, it's basically taken... It, it's going to be a slightly modified version right. of an X7. Right, okay. Um, but, I mean... Why? Yes. <laughs> but, but we did go into this all mm. last week, and I asked you that question, and you both like, sort of looked and laughed at Wait, me as to... Well, no, we both said, actually, they'll, they'll make it. Well, no, but, you, but when I said, what's the point in these, when you went, well, because the market demands them, you know, there's always going to be a market for these super high-end, super high-powerful, M-badged, RS-badged, whatever it might be, SUVs. Well, that, that will compete, that car will probably compete with the Range Rover SV. That'll be that market. So, yeah, but this is supposed to be a, a, a bit... So the X7, I think, is the Range Rover rival. The mm. X8 is supposed to be a lot more focused, a bit more nimble. So... Um, Maybe it's an SVR version then. Yeah, so yeah. like, like you know, so, something that I'm trying to think of a... A bit like an RS6 and an RS7. You know, yeah, yeah. this is supposed to be the slightly more sporty-faced version, lower riding and more powerful and all these different things. Yeah. So we'll see. Uh, you know, we're all big fans of... BMW at the minute, and some of the renders have been fairly mega, so excited by that. I'm slightly more excited, though, by another launch which is expected at the end of this month. I mean, I didn't know about any of this. No, that's why I'm bringing you the latest car news, Tony, for you to react to. Brilliant. <laughs> Ferrari have, oh. have announced their next Icona series car is coming. 
the laugh replacement? No. Ah. Oh. So this is the next in the line of the Monza SP1, SP2. So you know, Monza was an Icona, they call it, mm. like iconic, but okay. Icona. Um, and it was supposed to be sort of celebrating heritage, but using the best of the modern equipment to sort of, you know, create these special one-off pieces. Well, Monza's not long been out though, is it? I no, mean, not really. They, but can there be years, another one then so quickly? Because they're trying to do this as a sort of series of, oh, right. of cars. So Monza's Every been year, a couple huh? of years. No, Monza, when, when, when did Monza come out? I know the deliveries have only been a while, but Monza launched 2019? So every two or three years, yeah, it's hard to do it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Classic Ferrari. Uh, introduced in 2018. 2018. So every four years. Yeah. So it's almost like a normal production run car then. Basically. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why you're surprised by Ferrari doing no, something well, like that. No, well, I'm not anymore. Days. I mean, no, uh, no I'm, uh, yeah. Yeah, okay, you know nothing. Uh, <laughs> so basically, for, I mean, I meant to say you're going to say nothing. Yeah, you I'm obviously not, do know some things. Yeah. Only a few things. I, I, knew, I knew exactly what you meant. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yes, this car is expected to celebrate the P4, oh, the iconic right. Le Mans car. And supposedly, it's worth a few quid. That using car. the laugh chassis, so it's the chassis of the laugh <sighs> with a slightly detuned V12 with more hybrid technology. Oh, it's got to be detuned. You've been a war. It's got to be. So yeah, theoretically, again, open to the cockpit. Mm. Uh, you know, styling cues from that old Le Mans car. Super limited. No windscreen still. I think windscreen because the P4 did it had that famous glass windscreen. You had shots of. Lawrence Stroll used to own, I think, the last one. I think he's just sold it, but um, it will be a mega thing. I'm really hoping they're going to unveil it at the Finale Mondiale event because I'm going. Are you? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm going. And I was like, I saw this announcement. I was like, oh, please, <laughs> please. And it would make sense because the Finale Mondiale is kind of some of the best Ferrari customers. That's their course of clienti. It's the FXX owners. It's the Formula One car mm-hmm. owners. They mm-hmm. come all together for the, the world finals of those racing series. It would yeah. be the perfect place to unveil the top of the top Icona series car. <gasps> I will freak out. Yeah. If I get to see that thing. Yeah, it's always really peculiar, isn't it, our Ferrari? One, they just announce stuff. They never compete with anyone. I always get this, well, Ferrari never do Nürburgring times. Because actually, if you want a Ferrari race car, go and buy a challenge car. Yep. You know, that's just their, we don't care, we're Ferrari. And even though they're still making stupid, I, I think they're making far too many cars personally. They're still like, we're Ferrari, we're just going to keep doing it. Like, you know, our brand is one of, if not the strongest brands in the world. In the and you're all going to want all of them. So and Yeah, we're just going to keep making them. Yeah. Well, you say that, I thought it'd be fun to run through the current lineup because there are now too many. So many. So we've got 812 Superfast. Yeah. 812 GTS. Mm-hmm. 296 GTB. Yeah. SF90 Stradale. Mm-hmm. SF90 Spider. <laughs> F8 Tributo. Mm-hmm. F8 Spider. Roma. Portofino M. 812 Competizione. 812 Competizione A, Aperta, Monza SP1, Monza SP2, about to be whatever that replacement. That's basically 15 yep. models currently in the Ferrari lineup and, and laugh replacements any day now. And an SUV. And the SUV. I mean, oh my God, you're going to be teetering on 20. Car. You're going to be teetering on 20 models or variations of. Oh, and they probably used to do four or five. Unreal, isn't it? Oh, but they're selling like bucket loads. And yeah, yeah, yeah. The brand gets stronger and stronger, yeah, I suppose. Yeah, making loads of money, aren't they? And these people that buy these cars, it's not the only car they own. They're collectors. They've yeah. got too much money. 
and next year when Charles Leclerc wins the championship, they're going to be even oh, more he's in not demand. Win the championship is he? <laughs> I think Carlos Sainz might be for him. Past him Bloody hell! Yeah. Fucking hell, Carlos Sainz, sit down, son. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so let's wait and see. But exciting, and, and no matter what, we'll be talking about uh, all of these sort of new reveals as and when uh, they happen. But fingers crossed, I will get to yeah get up close and personal with that Ferrari Icona car. Oh, I'm so excited! <laughs> Ferrari event, can't wait! What a way to end the year! Um, by the way, think you're married, by the way. No. Get excited like that. <laughs> um, uh, quickly, we have to touch on the new Mercedes SL because we didn't when Andrew was here last uh-huh. week. It was an SUV special. We didn't really talk about the Mercedes SL. Uh-huh. Um, what a thing! I think it looks stunning. Mm-hmm. Um, four seats now, so two mm-hmm. plus two. Yeah. Um, good two engine lineup, though, basically. Yeah, basically, so yeah, two, yeah. two in a bench. Yeah. Um, cool thing, huh? Yeah, yeah. Cool thing. I, I, I done a post on Instagram the other day and said, "Would you actually have one over a nine eleven? Most people said no. They'd still have the nine eleven. I think that might be our audience, firstly. <laughs> we know very Porsche-centric. Yeah. But I kind of know what you mean. I really liked it, and I thought, ooh, lovely. Would I have one? Eh, probably not. And people saying it doesn't compete with a 911. Well, it does. Oh, bang on. That's exactly bang what on. That's exactly with. what it's going after. Cabriolet. Yeah, of yeah. course. And, and, and as well, the 63 will compete with a Turbo or a Turbo S. Yeah, um, yeah the, the, the lower engine one will compete with a, a, an S car. Um, yeah, you can throw a few other cars in, the M8 convertible, um, which I definitely have the SL over one of them. Um, Bentley, a couple of people said Bentley Continental GT. I think that's a level up for me mm-hmm. in terms of quality. Um, and this SL is going to be a few quid. It's, it's going to be, be money, isn't it? 150 odd or something. Easily. At that point, you have, for me, you have got to go and have a Porsche or a Bentley. Yeah, I think, I think, Turbo S Cabriolet over the SL, but I always feel like SLs have sold to the sort of slightly um, quirky <laughs> buyer in terms of, yeah, you're not getting a Bentley, you're getting an SL. It's sort yeah. of weirdly understated, but very capable kind of car. Yeah. Um, and if you go back and track their history, yeah, they've always been popular to a certain clientele. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's going to be a lot of money. I'm sure very, very good uh, and still desirable, but yeah, I think at that price point, especially once you spec one up, it's going to be a ton. Oh, it's got to be yeah. some car to be even as good as a Turbo S. You know, I, I, in my personal opinion, bear in mind, I had one for a while. I, I think that's the best everyday sports car you can buy yeah. a Turbo S. It is, because it just does everything. It does everything, mate. And, and Do you think <sighs> that Turbo S, the 992, is the best Turbo S they've ever done. Yeah, yeah, Do yeah. Do you? It's a, li- it's a little bit soulless, but all Turbo S's are soulless. But what I liked about that Turbo S is that, although it wasn't quite as urgent as a GT car, loads faster than a straight line apart from a GT2, but there wouldn't have been a lot in it, by the way. Um, but the steering, it, it just turned in loads better than the, than the old car. And, and uh, although they do sometimes feel a little bit of a numb device, you, you cannot get away with just how good it is full stop mate you know in like i told you in in the rain it's uh, uh, it's good enough in the dry but when you get in the rain you think flipping hell how good is this car yeah it's, it's frightening it's always going to be a bit more dynamically exciting than i think an sl something so i probably see the sl more of a bentley rival mm. um it's like but the you know the s coupes you know they i think they've got a popular fan base but also sometimes get overlooked a lot yeah of money. and interestingly as well being a motor dealer I will be very, very interested to see how they sell SLs because SLs, historically, 
they never sell well. They, really? I mean, no, mate. They, they, they absolutely plummet in value. They never sell millions of them, which is probably why they've half combined this with the AMG GT car. Of course. To try and sell, because they sold a few of them AMG GTs, but actually standalone SLs back in the day, like they had a little bit of a run when they started to bring the 55 and the 63s out. Um but but they just weren't really good sellers. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. And for sure, you're expecting the AMG GT will get a facelift or an upgrade soon, <laughs> which will look very similar and yeah. be based on the same same sort of you know platform. So, yeah, interesting to see. I I, I like it because I like the the badge name. I think it's a very cool, very pretty car, very pretty mm, car. It'll be very yeah. nice. But um, I think it probably will be maybe a little unengaging lovely to inside as well to oh, be fair. Yeah. But what what new Mercedes isn't? But actually, what I found with new Mercedes is that when they get to three or four years old, they instantly start to look dated because they, the they update their interiors so quickly. It's like we said about it last week with the, the new Range Rover now. Look how lovely that looks. And it instantly makes the old car look 20 years old. It's crazy. And that's always the problem when you're buying the German stuff is the rate at which they upgrade and change. Even yeah. the small interior upgrades. And actually, you know, this perfect segue into the F-Pace I'm in at the moment. Okay. So I sent the F-Type R back for a uh, service uh, mm-hmm. with Jags. So they're doing a service after the, uh, the trip down to Monaco and stuff. And they just lent me a bog standard entry level. I think they call it the D165. Mm-hmm. So it's a diesel brand new F-Pace. Yep. I think it starts at 36 odd grams okay. like that. Um Oh my God, the interior, stunning. It's not the same as the, old, as the new SVI, big, big old screens, lovely knurled kind of dials for the aircon and stuff like that, lovely stitching. It's got loads of kit on it because obviously it's a press car. So they've got mm. the full sound system. They've got the 3D cameras, surround yep. cameras. Like it is such a nice place to be. And I've had that car now for a week. I've been up to up to Gaiden, up to Jaguar HQ. I've been over to my parents in Wiltshire. I've been in and around London non-stop. I've been out to Surrey, stuff like that. One tank of fuel. Yeah, Still got 140 miles left on the range. Yeah, it's, it's insane. You won't do that in an iPace. No, you wouldn't do that in an iPace. No. I'd have to be charging it. But it is such a nice car. And it's, it's got me sort of thinking, oh my God, the levels of quality you can get now that interiors, now that all these cars have had to step up so high mm. without needing to get the premium engine. Yeah. You, know, you don't need the SVR. Yeah. You can run around in that and it still just ticks so many boxes yeah. and is on such a high level. But, well, maybe not with Jag. If you had the Merc in three years time, it's going to be outdated. Yeah, yeah. But just cars in general now, mate, even a even a Vauxhall Corsa or a little Fiesta, I mean, they are a few quid now. They're not 10,000 quid like they used to be. They're 20,000 quid or more. I mean, that little Peugeot 208 thing, yeah, yeah, yeah. flipping else like a spaceship inside. <laughs> it's but, mad, isn't but it? But you always go back and think, oh, it's like, 10,000 quid or something but it ain't it's 25,000 quid so they are a few quid and um, and you sent me something the other day and actually I got emailed it DM'd it and everything oh yes I know go on this RS3 oh my god so um, you go well it was a brand new RS3 theoretically one of one of if not the first in the UK Mm -hmm. for sale for sale, posted on Auto Trader with a price of seventy eight seventy eight nine nine zero. So that oh. car would have been about ten grand over list. Would have been late sixties. No, it was a launch edition car with some bits on it. So um, it would have been, I would say, ten fifteen grand overish. But flipping hell, I mean, people go in about that 
how much that new M3 is and, yeah. you know, the RS6 is. We're, we're nearly 80,000 quid for a hot hatch for an now. RS3. I mean, it makes the old car, it's by the way, a, oh unbelievable value. Unbelievable. Like 40,000 quid. Who are we saying this the day? I think it's almost too much now, that it's RS3. too much money. Well, but also too much car. Like, that's too much going on for... Because at 80 grand, if you want all this dynamic capability, just go and buy a GT4, you know, yeah. or just get like... If you really, that's what you're trying to do at 80 grand, there's a million other options. The thing is, mate, as well, that the, 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 I mean, I've not driven the new RS3 yet, but from what I can gather, apart from the drift mode and the, the two different dials inside, you know, the, the mm -hmm, two mm -hmm. dashes, is it really any different to the old car? Really? I mean, even the old car's not a bad place to sit still. It's still fairly modern, mate. It just hasn't got them two screens, but it's still got the 400 horsepower five pot engine in it. You know, so take the drift mode away. You're paying 30,000 quid, basically, for a facelifted car. It doesn't even look that different, I don't think. No. I mean, how, how much mm. different can you can you make it? You know, like, it's just a lot of money. 78 grand. Oh, oh. Terrifying, isn't it? Yeah. Anyway, someone out there will pay that money. So we'll, well, we'll to, see. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, anyway, that brings an end to today's episode. Uh, as I say, it didn't go at all to the plan that I thought it would. No. <laughs> we had some interesting conversations anyway. <laughs> we do. Uh, we will be back with you, of course, uh, next week. I'm then hitting the road. I've got a bit of travel to do, actually, uh, for the sort of latter part of this year. So we're going to have to sort of pre-record some episodes, I think, in advance. Probably going to do another Rate My Ride. It's been a while, hasn't oh, it? Oh, it has so, been a while. I like uh, them. A lot of people have been sending their sort of photos of, the, of their cars in and stuff like that. So maybe, well, I'll keep you posted on that. But maybe I'll rate my ride coming soon. We've got some other nice plans uh, ahead. So yeah, make sure to stay tuned. If you're watching here on YouTube, hit subscribe, turn on notifications. A reminder, we're trying to get to 50K by the end of the year. Uh, if you want to follow Tony, he's at Tony Gravelwood Car Sales on most social media platforms. I'm at Seen Through Glass on most social media platforms. And yeah, we'll be back with you next week. Bye-bye. See ya. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 